Hello, and welcome to the Den of Geek Book Club podcast. My name is Katie Burt, and I am the book editor at denofgeek.com. I'm joined today by writer and professor Dr. Nnedi Okorafor. Dr. Okorafor is the author of Den of Geek's current book club pick, Binti, which is the story of a young African woman who leaves her home for the first time to attend the finest university in the galaxy, which, yes, is on another planet. So the third book in the Binti trilogy just came out, which congratulations, because that is very exciting. Um, when I'm curious when you realized the story was going to be a series versus just a standalone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I knew it was going to be a series from the beginning. I knew it. I just didn't want to, like, Binti, the way that I wrote the, the Binti trilogy was unlike anything that I've written previously. It just... And, I, and I'm really happy that Tor.com allowed me to write, write it in this way because it came, the story came to me in a very unique way. Um, but I knew when I wrote the first one, I knew even when I finished it, I knew there was more. And I knew I would eventually write more. I just didn't know when it would happen. But I knew, I knew there was more. That world was too big. Vinti's character was too interesting to me. And I knew a lot more happens to her. So... So, yeah, I knew from the beginning. Well, I'm glad you wrote more. It's, I, especially with the novella, I'm not as used to reading things that are that length. And getting to the end of the story, I was like, oh, I want to find out what happens next. So I'm glad that it was a series. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Binti, the, you know, the story's main character for listeners who might not know yet, is Himba, which is, you know, a group modeled after the Himba people who live in Namibia. Um, why did you choose this background specifically for the character? And was Bindi ever from anywhere else? She was always Himba from the, from the very beginning. Um, I knew I wanted to write about the Himba people long ago. I knew that. I knew that um, because they, their, their culture has always fascinated me, at least the, the more traditional aspects of their culture um, have always fascinated me. And their, um, their audacity to maintain those cultural ways in the midst of modernity, which typically means um, skew is tip, modernity skews Western. So it's like for them to maintain and like and, and for those cultural traditions to be so manifest themselves in such a physical way, in in, in a way that's so outside of what the majority of the rest of the world is used to and accepts has always fascinated me. And I knew I wanted to see them in the future in some way. So I knew that. And so when the story of Binti came to me, it was like, it was just instantly, okay, she's Himba. I knew in the beginning that she was Himba and that's what she's always been. Cool. Yeah. Well, it's definitely my first time ever um, reading anything like that or um, no, like, yeah, I, I went immediately to find out more about this, Mm. this real life people that, um, this culture is based on. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. <laughs> and so you spent a lot of time in academia, both as a student and now as a professor. And I'm curious how that informed your construction of the university in the book, if it, if it did at all. Um, it did a lot. I mean, yeah. I, I think I've spent more time as a student in the university than as a professor because, you know, I started teaching, let's see, in about 10, 10, oh no, actually now it's it's probably equal, equal, <laughs> wow, um, and so like that's what, that's like 20 years of my life that has wow. been at university, yeah. so um, 
that's you know just being being a writer who tends to write from from the heart from the soul the the university is always going to be a part of anything that I write that's why it pops up in so many of my of my work so yeah so the the university in uh in the binti trilogy is very much based off of my experiences of universities because I've seen I've you know I have uh, I have a bachelor's I have two masters and I have a PhD so that's a lot of schooling in that's a lot of exposure to universities and then being a yeah. words um, it, it's it's reflective of like the positives and the negatives so it's not all utopia it's 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 the university to me right so, and, and and like um and in spending so much time within various universities, I can see how um, you have like these these individuals who are just genius level smart, and how alien they can be, <laughs> and, how, yeah. and how isolated sometimes they are, and then how worldly they sometimes they are, and the, the things that go on inside a university being so specific. So yeah, it's it's very much modeled off of that, but also off of my ideas of what could be out there as well. So it's a blend. Mm. And uh, Binti was inspired, at least partially, by your move away from your family in Chicago to go teach in Buffalo. And I'm curious how, I mean, obviously the story is one story, the trilogy in, in a lot of ways, but has that inspiration really been a part of the second and third parts of the of the trilogy? Like, has that still been one of the foundational aspects um or do you think it's like moved beyond that part uh, of the inspiration the 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 binti home was definitely <laughs> <laughs> definitely affected by um some familial uh mm. situations and yeah. struggles definitely <laughs> word for word in some places wow. uh, and and then i think her subsequent journey it, it will always be affected by that. I mean, this is, this is the, this was at the soul, like these, these family issues. And then that move, um, and, and what I had to deal with and the fear that I, that I grappled with will always be at the soul of, um, of the character of Binti and then of the story as well. So, so in part three, it's there. Um, but it, I wouldn't say it's gone beyond, but it's like, it's almost looking, looking at, how things could or might play out. So it's yeah. still, still deeply involved, yeah, with me personally. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and shifting gears a little bit, you're also currently writing or is currently being published uh, a digital-only arc from Marvel called Black Panther, Long Live the King. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious how your involvement in that project came to be. Oh, that's been a wonderful experience. And there will be a a physical, a physical compilation of that that comes oh, out. Oh, cool. I wasn't yeah. sure about that. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to holding that in my hand. <laughs> It'd be cool. But um, the, the way it came to be was that, well, essentially Marvel came to me um, several months ago now. It's been many months. And we, we've been talking and, and kicking around ideas and, and characters that I might possibly write. And... Each time I was like, yeah, no, not that one. No, not that one. No, no, I can't connect with that one. And then they they um they told me that they were doing the Venomverse War Stories anthology, which is an anthology with uh, several short stories from featuring the 
the alien symbiotic organism Venom bonding with different characters, and that got my attention. I was like, oh, alien symbiotic organism. <laughs> Venom has always been, when I see him, or it, bonded to Spider-Man, I could not deal with those images. Like, they scared the heck out of me. And so when I have any kind of strong emotion to something, I'm like, okay, that gets my attention. So that was how that, so I ended up writing a short story called Blessing in Disguise for that anthology. And so as I was writing that, they mentioned, um, they came to me with Black Panther. They're like, oh, would you like to write Black Panther? And for me, it wasn't an immediate yes. It was, it took, I had to think about it. I thought about it for like two weeks. And then eventually I said, I said, yes. And so that's how that came about. I felt like I could, there was a lot that I could bring to his character in that world. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's been great. Yeah. It's been fun to read. <laughs> um, you mentioned in a press release having a lot of questions about Wakanda and wanting to bring the lens deeper into an exploration of, of that setting. Mm-hmm. What, what were you hoping to accomplish or what are you hoping to accomplish with, with, the comics depiction of Wakanda that maybe previous Black Panther comics haven't? Um, I really wanted to see, I wanted to see Black Panther interacting with Wakandans on a personal level, not necessarily in situations when all hell is breaking loose, but just interacting. I wanted to see him with the people as a, as a person. And that was really important to me. And I wanted to see him think about his privilege and deal with his privilege and have people check him on his privilege. I wanted to see that. Um, I wanted to see him interact with the wildlife of Wakanda. I wanted to see the wildlife of Wakanda. I wanted to see, okay, we've got the most technologically advanced, wealthiest nation in the world. What is that really like on a, like, on, like on a really close level? I wanted to see that. And so I think that with this, this um, short storyline that I did, which is Long Live the King, it's three, it's three issues. Um, I think I was able to accomplish a lot of that in a really small um, space. Yeah. Um, and how are you feeling about the Black Panther movie? Oh, I'm excited about yeah. it. I think it's going to do wonderfully, and I'm hoping that, I mean, you know, when I think big, I think big. So <laughs> that it's successful, like, rival... In the in box office success, it will rival like Avatar. That would be so cool. Yeah, I think it's possible. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but I have, you know, I'm really excited about it. Um, I don't think it's going to be a perfect film, and I'm happy about that. You, and perfect film is rarely ever perfect. Mm. Uh, but I'm really excited to see um, what this. I'm just excited. It's it's it's. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too. It's almost, it's almost here. <laughs> yep, almost here. Almost here. Fine. <laughs> yeah, I know. It feels like it's been a while. Um, and you just announced that you're writing a comic book called Antar the Black Knight. Um, and can you just talk a little bit about that project and why you wanted to be a part of it? Yeah. Okay. So Antar the Black Knight, he's a um, an, an Arab legend, you know, um, and you can find many iterations of him already out there, even film. Uh, he's half, he's half Arab noble, and then he's half slave, let's say it's before Ethiopian, so Abyssian. Um, so he's, he's an African slave. His mother was an African slave. His father was an Arab noble. And he ends up becoming this great warrior, but also a poet. So he's a, 
You're like, that's it. That's why I wanted to be part of it. I'm yeah, done. Like, <laughs> oh wow, this is complex. And so, <laughs> so when they came to me with the project, um, it's through. It's it's, a, it's sort of like those who are um, who are financing it. Or IDW is distri- distributing it, mm-hmm. and then um, Mirage. Uh, Mirage Entertainment, which is actually a film company, is is financing it, and then um, Sahab Awan, who is he's he did a comic called Jin Rise and many other things. He's just a wonderful facilitator. He's kind of the the leading the way, and so he came to me with this project, and I was like, you know, I looked at the character of Antar. It's a male character. He's a warrior, but he's a poet, and then he's half Arab and half. African and we're dealing with all of these issues all in one project. And I don't typically write a lot of male characters. So that, int- that intrigued me actually. And, and then this, this character who's in this world, um, in this pre-Islamic world, and, and it's, it's going to have fantastical elements as well. It's just, it's just a project that fascinated me. It's unique. It's, um, it's a different type of story and it would help. It would like, um, it would allow me to stretch in ways that I wouldn't have, like if it were my, um, cause I always have my own projects as well, but this one would allow me to stretch narratively character wise in a way that I normally would not have on my own. Yeah. And you, you know, you have done a few comic books at this point and I'm, I'm curious what that transition into a more like collaborative storytelling form yeah. has been like for you or and like what the the pros and the cons of it are it's been fascinating because like it's not just um comics it's also film where i've had to deal with the collaborative process and it's it's great because for me when i'm writing a novel um i'm a dictator i really am it's i'm very (laughs) i will it's not that i control the story but it comes through me you know and only me and then of course later on you have your editors and copy editors and all that but the initial, like the, the thing itself comes through me. That's one type of storytelling, but with comics and with film and TV, it's a different type of storytelling that involves a lot of people. And for someone who is used to doing things that way in terms of, you know, where it's just me, it's really good. It's a, it's a really good learning experience. Um, it's a really good, um, it, it allows me to see other ways of generating stories that is that is really healthy for me so I mean I really enjoy the process it's very different it's very different but it's good for me (laughs) (laughs) um and you also contributed a story to from a certain point of view the Star Wars anthology you just do a lot of cool stuff (laughs) so yeah so I'm just I'm curious how did you choose the subject of that story or was it given to you Okay. I chose it. Um, there were several <laughs> other characters that were that were suggested to me, and they were human characters, yeah. female female characters, human characters. And I was like, yeah, you know, and I, I want to do something alien. And then and then I had my idea, which was, it wasn't just the trash compactor monster. It was a trash compact. It was like a a three vignettes. Of the the trash compactor monster, the um, the monster, the the worm on the asteroid. Oh yeah. Um, the the uh, the sarlacc. I think it was called. It might have been called the thing in um, Return of the Jedi. The the monster that like swallows. <laughs> yeah, the big everyone. <laughs> I was just fascinated. I'm like, man, I'd love to see their point of view and their <laughs> their um, 
you know, what, what are they doing? What's, yeah. their, what's their journey? But like they wanted for that anthology, they wanted stories for um, that was specifically from A New Hope. And so the trash compactor monster was from A New Hope. I think the other two were from Return of the, um, Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So yeah, it was totally my... So maybe, maybe in the future. <laughs> maybe in the future. We'll see. <laughs> um, and you know, both Black Panther and Star Wars are stories that are owned by these huge corporations. And so I'm curious what it's been like working within those structures versus writing something like Binti, which, you know, especially when you first started, had no outside limitations or expectations. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a different experience. You know, you're you're writing within these these already very structured worlds. And there were times where I felt that to be very confining. Now, with the Star Wars character, I didn't feel it. But I'm like a huge Star Wars fan. Like, I know yeah. those inside. I've watched them a million times. They are, like, part of my DNA. There, <laughs> you know, I could just, it, that I didn't find difficult or, or confining. But there's so much space, pun intended, haha. <laughs> For that for you to tell stories in that world that don't conflict with anything. Um, but with Black Panther, it was a little more, I felt at times more confined where I, I, I had to do a lot of, um, I had to read all the other, and I didn't mind doing that. I mean, mm. parts of things already, but I had to, I felt like I had to read, catch up on many different storylines. And then, yeah. um, and then there'd be times where I'm writing something I'm like, wait, but can I even do that? <laughs> <laughs> and I found that to be um, confining as well. But but it's 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 an interesting experience, and it's an interesting exercise for me as a writer. So I I still and even with those con- confinements, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it too. I, I like the challenge of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And we were talking, you know, you kind of touched on this a little bit before when we were talking about collaborative storytelling. But your novel, Who Fears Death, has been optioned by HBO. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just went to Santa Fe to work with George R. R. Martin and Selwyn Seifu Hines on developing the TV series. Can you say anything about how that process is going? Yeah, it's going really well. Um, and that, and that, so that was the first where we, we sat down in a room and just kind of just... Um, really went back and forth about the treatment and all of that. And it was, this was just for the pilot and it was wonderful. It was pretty (laughs) awesome. It really was because it was like all the, you know, we, we come at it from different angles and, and we, and we eventually kind of came together eventually, you know, it's like all, all the paths that we were, that we were seeing where the story should lead, it eventually converged. So it was like, it was really cool. It's, it's, uh, I'm very open to just, just uh, seeing how the process goes for other types of writing. So I'm mm-hmm. in with two, um, with two really experienced people because you know George is, is experienced with 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 um, with this side of things too. He's not just a, a novelist, you know. He's experienced with TV writing as well, and then Selwyn, who's experienced with this too. So it's like. I got to listen and and take from them, but also give my input. So it's a really, um, it's a truly collaborative process. And it was, and I'm learning a lot each time, each experience, I learned that much more. So yeah, it was really great. We're further further down the line now. (laughs) It seems like you made the most of your trip in general too. I was just looking at your Twitter feed and (laughs) seeing all the, all the fun photos and things in Santa Fe. So 
Um, so I also saw on Twitter, <laughs> which you're, you're so, you're so prolific on Twitter. I guess you're prolific in other formats too, but it's very impressive to me because I am not. <laughs> but, just uh, fun. You just get on there and don't yeah. think about it and just, man, just, just go for it. This is what's going on. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to try that more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I saw that, you know, your books have just been published in Korea and Russia. Mm-hmm. Which um, I'm not. Sure, which other countries have have you been published in? See, that's why I didn't put that all in the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Me, we can just say many other countries. Many, yeah, many others. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad when no one asked me that specific question. I'm like, I don't know, and I really don't want to go through my I'm, figure I'm that blowing up your spot. <laughs> um, but I'm curious how reactions to your stories differ in different cultures and countries, um, or if there's things that have surprised you, like that certain places react very strongly to a part of a story that mm-hmm. other places just didn't really seem to, yeah, just have that same sort of strong reaction. You know, it's funny. So far, it's been almost a similar reaction, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, which makes the world feel really small <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um I know, like, uh, Nigerian responses to, um, especially, like, the Akata books, which they have a different title there, um, has been, you know, Nigerians will catch certain things that I was doing because, you know, they're Nigerian and that book is based in Nigeria. They'll catch (laughs) certain things and talk about certain specifics that um, other parts of the world will not um, so there, so there's that side of things, but like in terms of perception, it's, it's, it's been, I don't know. It, it's like, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to really kind of, um, pinpoint the differences because the responses that I get, a lot of them are on Twitter. A lot of them are on Facebook and email and it all just kind of, it, it all becomes like one big audience as opposed yeah. to this response is from this part of the world. Yeah. So this, yeah, so I can't really, it's hard for me to um, to say, like, what the differences are by country. Yeah, and I guess there's probably also commonalities in mm-hmm. anyone who's drawn to speculative fiction wherever they are, mm-hmm. and that kind of reader, and maybe, you know, their their interests. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you are a very productive person. <laughs> I think we've established that so far in this podcast. Um so on top of all these writing projects, you're also a professor and a mom. Do you have a very strict schedule in terms of writing? Like, what does that look like for you? Um, well, I've had, in the last year, I've had to take a year off of teaching because okay. it's, it's gotten to be like, I could not have done all this with teaching. I was, I, yeah, was, I was trying to, I was thinking about it. I was just like, I don't understand. Uh, I was starting to go crazy about a year ago. It was like, I was doing so much and I don't when I look back I'm like I don't even know how I was able to pull all of that off because it was I was doing so much I was teaching classes I was traveling I was writing all this stuff because the writing never stops even when I'm busy so it was just too much and um I knew I had to take some time off because I was starting to lose it so um so there's that um so within this year in terms of like what kind of schedule I don't know. It's not really, it's, it's chaos. It's chaos. And then somehow I get things done. I really don't know how I just like, uh, 
I, I, I'm able to write while I'm on the road. I'm able to write in hotel rooms. I'm able to, when I'm home, when I'm not traveling, because I do travel a lot. When I'm not traveling, I get a lot done in that time when I'm home. Like I've been home for a week and a half. And the amount of things that I've gotten done in this week and a half has been insane. Uh, when do I write? I don't know. I write all the time. And since then I just break. <laughs> I'm like, <tired> break. <laughs> and then it bugs me. And then, you know, we watch a movie or I help her with her homework. And then I go back to writing. But at some point, and it always eventually happens, at some point, I'll kick into this focus mode. Mm. And that's when I get like a large amount of stuff done in that weird focus mode. But I, it's, it's at different times. It could be in the morning, it could be at night. It, it's random. It's yeah. Random. But I think if I looked at it from afar and kind of documented it, it's probably not random. But I, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my schedule. <laughs> yeah, you don't have any time to document. You're spending that energy elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so I'm curious what's next for you in terms of, are there any projects we haven't, you know, talked about that you're really excited about you're working on that you can talk about, um, that are coming out or yeah, that are still works in progress. Yeah. Um, there, it's hard to talk about because I'm, I'm, with my, I'm trying to remember, did my editor tell me not to talk about <laughs> I know that there's all these different, yeah, people telling creators like what they can and can't talk about. Yeah, so, uh, so I'll just say the graphic novel. Let's we'll just leave it at that. Okay, okay. The novel that I'm working on, and um, it's with a very good publisher, and so I'm working on that. Um, what can I tell you about it? It's, uh, it's got. Um, I guess it would be categorized as science fiction. Hmm. and it's got aliens in it we'll leave it at that oh. so <laughs> cool and that I've, I've talked about it at some point and then um my editor was like yeah maybe, <laughs> so maybe I, not <laughs> I haven't said much so there's that um i'm currently working on that i just finished the first issue of it actually and it's yeah it's graphic novel but it's going to be five five um comics first and then they're going to bring it together so there's that then there's another secret project that I'm working on, which I really don't want to say what it is until mm. I get it in the form that it needs to be. Yeah. It is not fiction. It is gotcha. not poetry. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll that. Um, so that. A riddle. I like it. It is kind of a riddle and no one will guess. Um, okay. But yeah, so that one's one that I'm currently working on. I also have a book that... I have been working on forever that eventually we will finish this thing. It's finished. It's just been editing and editing and rearranging and editing mm -hmm. called Remote Control. And that one is going to be published by Daw Books. Um, okay. Finally, finally done. And let's see. Oh, and then the other stuff is secret. Okay. Secret stuff. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot of different things. It really is. I'm holding <laughs> on though. I'm holding on. <laughs> Um, so I'm wondering what you're a fan of right now. Just if you have any free time to be a fan of anything. Uh, let's see. What am I a fan of? It could be a book, could be a movie, could be a TV show, comic book. Okay. Um, there's a, okay. So I just finished the show Queen Sugar, the second season. Oh, yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I just, the writing is incredible. The character development, incredible. So there's that. Um, I'm reading a graphic novel. I just started reading this graphic novel 
called um, Department H. Okay. And um, it's like a deep sea mystery with, there are, I think there's some creatures in there and stuff. And so I'm, I'm really loving that. Um, I'm rereading Left Hand of Darkness. Mm. And let's see what other things. Yeah, I always have things that I unwind with. Yeah. Yeah, that I unwind with. And um, how is it? Oh, yeah. Frankie and Grace or Grace and Frankie. Oh, yeah. That's a great <laughs> unwind yeah, choice. Yeah, that's a show right there. That, that, <laughs> I love that show. I just yeah. Do. So, yeah. It's a little bit, little bit of a lot of things. And I'm probably forgetting things that I regret when I get <laughs> Be like, no, this is my favorite thing, and I've totally betrayed it. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, well, where you know, I think I think that's about all the time we have for for the podcast. But I'm curious if you know where can people find you, whether on Twitter or in person or wherever. Um, yeah, what's what are the best places to find you? You can always find me on Twitter. I'm just N-N-E-D-I there. I'm very easy to find on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Facebook and Instagram, I do all three of those. Those are the my main three. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, and then I have like some, I'm at uh, book festivals and stuff. I'll be in the Netherlands for the Other Futures Conference tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Cool. That sounds, have you been, to, I've never been to the Netherlands. Have you been there before? Only passing through. This would be the yeah. first time I leave the airport. So I'm looking okay. for Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very, very busy schedule to talk with me today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. And everyone should go read Binti and everything else that Dr. Korofar has written. (laughs) Yes. Read it.